pasa la juca si no lo guarda con esa. Y el pum 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 All right, well we got it going now, guys. This is the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Sorry about the issues uh, there earlier. We are live on Facebook, and we are guests by our uh, very own special guest, Pato Batello from Lansing Ignited. Thank you so much for, for joining us tonight, Pato. Uh, thank you for having me. Harry, Rafa, how are you guys doing this evening? Season of change, man. Season of change. It's coming. It's officially here. It's an uh, important <laughs> offseason for San Antonio FC, and that's why we are glad to be joined by our uh, very own guest here. Uh, Pato, you actually played for uh, Coach Matt Barnes, who we had kind of highlighted as a uh, potential replacement for Coach Powell there for SAFC. Um, but first, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit, just uh, kind of tell the audience a little bit, if you don't mind, uh, Pato, about your background and just kind of your experience playing soccer. Yeah. Um, so Coach Barnes coached me my sophomore year of college and my junior year of college. Uh, and, you know, he he was a guy that just changed the whole, like my whole view on how, like, how I view the game, basically. Uh, how how I played. He taught me so so many things that you know to this day I use just from uh, my finishing to my movements as a forward uh, and just you know my diet outside outside the soccer field and my work ethic. You know he's a very like de- detailed guy and and that's something that I learned a lot from him. You know and uh, yeah, I mean my my career at St. Mary's was. I had three different head coaches, so it was it wasn't it wasn't easy. Uh, my freshman year, I was recruited by Coach uh, Michael Bonelli. He was there my freshman year. He left the spring of my freshman year. Then uh, Coach Barnes came my sophomore year. He was there sophomore and junior year, and then he took the job at the uh, Turks and Caicos national team with uh, Billy. He coached uh, Billy in the the national team, and uh, his assistant coach uh, Johnny Clifford took over my senior year. So, you know, it was. It was a roller coaster ride for four years, but I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, and prior to that, um, I know we were talking before the show, and uh, you moved here your sophomore year. Um, I know you talked a little bit about in college and, and what Coach Barnes was able to teach you in regards to the game, but let everybody know kind of your, your upbringing and, and your history of playing kind of before that. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Monterrey in Mexico. Uh, and moved to San Antonio when I was 16, my sophomore year of high school. Uh, you know, played at Brandeis High School uh, for three years, and uh, then obviously uh, played played for St. Mary's. And then this summer, going to my junior year, I played for Texas United in the PDO. Mm-hmm. And then this summer, going to my senior year, I played for Corpus Christi FC uh, in the in the PDO. So now USL League Two is called. Mm-hmm. Then after, after college, you know, uh, Lansing Ignite picked me up, uh, and you know I signed a contract with them, uh, Coach Nate Miller. So very grateful for that always, and appreciate it. Yeah, and that's a tough situation uh, there in Lansing. I know um, one of the things I was kind of curious about, though, from a striker's perspective, uh, I know a lot of San Antonio FC fans last year felt like attacking was kind of where we lost our identity. We had players, you know, that were good attacking players. But as far as like a system goes, 
What can you tell us about, you know, as far as from a striker's viewpoint, what did you like about Matt Barnes' system? What can fans get excited about when it comes to how he runs the offense, so to speak? Yeah, so he, he he's a coach that likes to attack a lot, you know, but he's also very organized defensively, if that makes sense. We're super, like, compact. You, you, you defend from from the front. Like, the forwards are the first defenders always. And, uh, uh, you know, that's something that he obviously taught me as well because, uh, you know, discipline defensive-wise and, you know, be able to, to defend, be the first defender as a forward. And, uh, you know, he's a, lot, a, a guy that just likes to score goals, you know, because that's how you win games. And we practice, you know, every single day, you know, finishing. And he, my finishing just got so much better when, when he was coaching me and uh, movements and stuff like that. Not just from the striker, but also uh, the people behind me, uh, my tents, my, my outside midfielders, and even the sermons. So everything he does is super detailed. And, you know, when you go to the game, you see situations that you practice. So it makes you think like, oh, we practice this, and it makes it so much easier. And, uh, yeah, I mean, his style of play, he – he has a lot of formations that he likes to play, usually a 4-4-2, but he changes. It just depends on what kind of players he has, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, But he's not afraid to change it up. Not, a, not at all, man. He, he's a guy that knows his players very, very well all the time. He knows what he has to, you know, what players he works with. So, you know, if he has, you know, eight type of players, he might play a 4-4-2, but if he has this type of players, he's going to change it to a 4-2-3-1 or, or Four three three or something like that. So that's something that I liked a lot because you know if something wasn't working, he was willing to change and and not not wait till the game is over and you and you took a loss and you know be during the game or at halftime if if it's not working, he would change it. So that's something that not a lot of coaches have and he does so. Gotcha. Yeah, I know making adjustments was one of the things we definitely wanted to see a little bit more of last <laughs> season. Um, so I don't think that was like sign him up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's all ready to bring him on board. Sold. <laughs> Sold. No, and 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 you know, I I know too. We we kind of just wanted to touch on a little bit um what what you guys were able to accomplish up there in Lansing. Um, it was you know definitely one hell of a season that you guys had up there. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe just, uh, you know, how you guys were able to come together as a unit in such a short time and, and create such a successful squad? Yeah, so uh, when Coach Nace, uh, you know, gave me my first call and offered me the contract, uh, you know, he he had a formation. He had a – not a formation, sorry, a system that he wanted to play, and he made it very clear to me, you know, this is the type of players we want. And this is the type of like attitudes we want on the team as well. So, uh, you know, it's never easy to start a, a team from zero. Like, you no, know, we never played together or nothing like that. But the type of guys that we had in the locker room, like there was no, no egos. There was no arrogant guys. Like we were all like super, we were, I mean, it sounds cliche, but we were a family, honestly, like on and off the field, we, you know, we were very, very close with each other, so that made it super easy to transition it to, to the field. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we we had a great season, second place in the regular season and lost in the semifinal. Didn't didn't end how we wanted to, but but as a first-year team, I thought it was, it was a very good season. 
Yeah, I was looking for forward to a trip up there to North Texas, man, to come watch you guys and uh, see Alex Bruce yeah. and everything. But, um, you know, I, I know you guys, obviously, that was what you wanted more than I wanted it. So I don't need to tell you that. Um, but uh, I know Alex Bruce wanted me to tell you BB Boys for Life. Um, so I got to get that in there for him, <laughs> uh, whatever that means. <laughs> But uh, yeah, man, like I say, it, it, it was a little bit sad to uh, kind of hear what happened there at the uh, end of y'all season and everything. But, you know, I'm just curious because you've played at a few different levels now, uh, PDL, USL, League One, you know, college. How important is it in the locker room? You know, you mentioned there were no egos, and I feel like in soccer, you know, and I'm sure it's not unique to just this sport, but egos is a big thing, especially in the locker room. Can you talk just yeah. a little bit about how important that unity is there in the locker room or what your experience has been like kind of battling that through these different leagues? Yeah, so uh, even even in college, you have players that have egos. You know, it's just it's just uh, the nature of the game, I feel, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but when stuff like that happens, it's just not, you know, you're not, it's not going to work, man. Everybody has to, especially if it's like a few guys that are starting, you know, if you, if you have people that are competing – for a spot or something and and they have egos maybe in practice they, they won't pass the ball to that person so that person doesn't look good or they're rooting for other people to do bad because they want to be you know starting or mm -hmm. or playing over that person or, or whatever and it's just you know it makes an unhealthy locker room mm -hmm. and and for for teams to work out for teams to do good you need you need unity and a healthy locker room so yeah well, it all comes down it's, to it's trust, right? Being able to trust yeah, that the, other guy. At the end of the day, yeah, it does. It does. Uh, don't try to, you know, a lot of people, like you said, when you have egos, you try to do everything yourself. Uh, maybe necessarily, like, maybe I won't pass the ball this time. I'm going to take my shot and not not trust my teammate cause I, or I want to look better, so I'm going to take my shot and see if I score or you know, try to dribble someone where you don't have to dribble. You probably have to pass the ball there or something like that. And you're just hurting your team more than anything. You know, you might look good for five seconds, but if you don't look good for those five seconds, you're going to mess your team up. So, yeah. Gotcha, man. Rafa, did you have any questions or anything like that that you wanted to talk to Pato about? Yeah, about the, um, as far as uh, with Coach Barnes, as far as locker room, we are mentioning locker room. How is the locker room environment around Coach Barnes, you know, just to give an example out there to see if, you know, if he's chosen by SAFC as well as the new head coach, you know, what is the atmosphere going to be like? What should the fans expect? You know, him, it's also interaction with the fans too. How, how is he going to be in those areas? Yeah. So I think, I think it's super, super hard what coach Barnes did with us because he brought a lot of uh, international players. We had a lot of international players from Scotland, uh, uh, England, Australia, and then Mexico, and obviously uh, U.S. and stuff. So to be able to bring everybody together from that many places and be able to, you know, we all be on the same page, it's a very difficult thing to do. And I think, you know, he did it very, very well. It's the same thing as St. Mary's, you know, the guys that I was there, they're now you know, juniors, sophomores, seniors, uh, and I'm still friends with them. Y'all, I'm still really close with them, and that's something that you know, Coach Barnes brought us together. So, you know, it's he knows how to handle locker rooms very, very, very well. He doesn't let you know, like that like we were mentioning egos getting the way, or 
favoritism, just stuff like that. He, he has very a very clear mind that what he wants, and he makes stuff like that uh, happen and, and work for him. So it's something very, very good. And what was the second part of the question? I'm sorry. As far as the interaction with the fans, I know I'm sure you interact with the fans. St. Mary's, you know, how, how, how would it be with the fans there if he goes for the SAFC? No, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's a, you know, I feel everybody that meets Coach Barnes likes him right away. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a very, like, charismatic guy and just, he knows how to get along with people and, you know, that's the reason why he's had so many jobs and he's been mm-hmm. so effective everywhere he's been, you know, from not just St. Mary's before that, I think he turned around San Francisco State, he turned around the program. They had a losing season, he comes, they have a winning season right away. They win conference next year. He goes to Midland in the PDL. Mm-hmm. They go to the Final Four. And the fans love them. They the next year he goes to the MPSO and goes to the championship game. Mm-hmm. You know, and now he's uh, Turks and Caicos gets their first win in like ten years or something like that. And now in uh, Denmark, I mean, the guy just doesn't stop winning wherever he goes. So, and people. You know, if people didn't like him, they wouldn't, they wouldn't hire him, you know? Like, I don't know, he's a really good, cool guy. And, and that's an interesting point. Uh, you know, I was doing some research as far as his resume goes, and yeah, talking about programs that he's kind of turned around. Uh, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University there in Phoenix uh, was another big one that, you know, hadn't had any history of success that he was able to make him a uh, contender in the national championship for NAIA. Uh, Centennial High School, you know, even at the high school level, winning three state championships there in California and everything. Um, He has been around a lot of places, and I find it interesting you attribute that to some of the success that he's had in helping to take programs to the next level. I was kind of curious because I've heard, you know, just from some critics the opposite, that he's never really lasted kind of in a program more than a few years. Is it more that, in your opinion, he's, you know, doing what he needs to do and moving on to the next opportunity? Or, or how can you speak to that a little bit with the number of different opportunities? Yeah, I mean, it's just for for those, you know, that's a tough question for me to answer because sure. that's like his, his personal decisions that he makes. But he never leaves a place without having success, if that makes sense. Accomplishing and what he's set to accomplish kind of at that place. Exactly, exactly. So... I mean, he loves San Antonio. He still has his house here. Uh, so I feel if he were to, to get the job at San Antonio FC, it would be for for as long as they want him, mm-hmm. you know, because he'll be willing to work and, and uh, you know, not necessarily turn San Antonio FC around because they have uh, very good players and, and they, they sh- you know, they almost made playoff. They're right there, but, you know, accomplish – what the fans want to see, which is, you know, at least at least getting the playoffs and get get to the to the conference, you know, semifinal, final championship game, which is what everybody in the city wants to see, honestly. I think you've got a good uh, good pulse beat there as far as uh, <laughs> expectations goes. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, man, he, he's a he's a guy that makes everything work. I don't know how he does it, he just but he just makes it work, like. <laughs> Well, I, you know, through talking to some of his former players and stuff like that, I, I've really just seen an outpouring of adm- admiration and support for him. So I, I can definitely see from, you know, players who have played for him, uh, them coming to, to his back and everything, I think says a lot about a coach. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he always has the players back too. You know, like when people used to get in trouble at my school, he he always, you know, like he would protect us. And that's something that not a lot of coaches are willing to do with their players, especially at the pro level. If you, if something does something outside the field that, you know, might look, you know, make him or someone else look bad, you know, but he's always willing to, to die for his team. And that's why I feel so many people that have played for him like him so much as well. High words of praise here from Pato Botello. Before we let you go, Harry, did you have any final questions or anything like that? No, we kind of covered everything. Like I said here, I'm sold now. So you know, <laughs> let's, let's make the announcement tomorrow. <laughs> Well, Pato, thank you for joining us, man. It's always nice to uh, meet another local here in San Antonio. I appreciate you uh, agreeing to come on and everything. And I know you can't really speak to uh, what's next quite yet, but we look forward to whatever decision you make there for your family, man, and everything else. Hey, it could be in San Antonio. Barnes comes here, right? Fingers crossed, baby. I like strikers. (laughs) (laughs) That would be – San Antonio would be something, huh? Uh, but yeah, I mean, as soon as I know what I'm doing, I'll let you guys know. I'll let you know first. I'll tell you that. I'll let you know first. <laughs> I appreciate it. Appreciate that, and man. Then, uh, we'll talk to you soon, Pato. Uh, don't go anywhere, guys. We'll be right back to talk some more San Antonio soccer. It's funny, man. Like I say, you start talking to some of these former players, dude, and they're all sold on this, dude. You're sold on him, too. You start doing the research, man, and I'm telling you, like, I know it's not a sexy hire. Like, I know that, but and we'll talk here. Let me. I'm done. All right. So we're back. And uh, that was Pato uh, talking about Matt Barnes. Uh, Harry, I know you were kind of the, the skeptic uh, in the room or, or whatever, so to speak, uh, after kind of hearing firsthand account of uh, a player's admiration for his coach. What say you, sir? Well, you got to root for him, uh, you know, especially where he's got local ties and, and stuff like that. My only concern, and, and this is where USL Championship is a different breed than college. It's a different breed than PDL. Um, and I'm, this is nothing against any of the candidates that we talk about, you know, you know, here. I personally would rather have somebody that has the experience in the league just because, you know, this isn't the USL championship of three years ago, four years ago. Um, You've got qualified coaches, uh, coaches that have great experience, you know, in it. And it's not to say somebody can't come up and, and, and take the reins and stuff like that. My question is, is does he know the league? And, um, you know, I was listening to, uh, you know, an interview with Mike Watts, and, and he pointed out, you know, in the USL West, you know, you could go from turf to baseball to grass, you know, good grass, you know, like up, you know, in, in Salt Lake to our pitch, which, depending on the, the year, could be either really great or it could be a little bit sandy. Uh, Still on that, that pitch. <laughs> So, but the, just the different environments, there's, sure. there's, there's a lot that comes into it to where, you know, you know, to where you've got to know the league and I'm not saying Matt Barnes wouldn't, uh, you know, coach Barnes wouldn't do the work and, and, you know, obviously he's going to, you know, put hopefully some great assistance around him. Uh, that's, that's my concern is, you know, for SAFC who I, who I consider to be one of the elite teams and that might be where I'm wrong. Um, in, in the USLC, uh, should they be looking at a bigger name, you know, that, than, than, you know, a, a college coach or, you know, 
you know, one that's got, you know, you know, you know, NPSL, you know, experience, but hasn't taken that next step up. Mostly it's, lower it's, level. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, saying he can't do it. It's just, you know, do you want to have somebody that's got a proven resume that can't, that that's got it, for instance, like Adam Smith from Fresno, um, you know, or, you know, but then, you know, that, that's the question, you know, cause coach Powell had, had very similar background. Um, and you know, we, you know, we, we saw how that worked out. And, and like I said, here's, you know, I thought it was successful, but you could see kind of a ceiling once they figured out coach Powell's system, you know, where he, he wasn't able to make the adjustments in my opinion. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of what got everybody a little bit excited just from uh, our interview there with Pato was when he started talking about the different formations he's willing to use and kind of some of the changes and adjustments he's willing to make. Uh, He must have been watching the SAFC this past season uh, in his off time because he was saying all the right things, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, I just... I, I get the attraction of a big name. Um, I know everybody kind of wants to see that splash and feels like, you know, S- San Antonio needs to make that big name signing. But, you know, I just I, I've never seen San Antonio FC do anything as far as big name types. I mean, Amir Didich was probably one of our biggest signings in the offseason and we let him go three games. Three, two, two games in three games in three the season. Games. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just kind of interesting to me that. The more I start looking at Coach Barnes and just looking at his resume, and I know you were talking about how I kind of have a crush on this guy, um, he does just kind of have a history of going in and, and looking at programs. Now, granted, it's a limited history that I can see um, that he's had some turnaround success in doing, and, and that's just kind of why I think that it makes the most sense to me in terms of what we've seen from SSNE, like you mentioned with Coach Powell. Uh, to put somebody else in line that kind of might meet a similar mold that they're looking for. But here's my question on that. In in San Francisco State, uh, you know, is it Lubbock? Uh, Lubbock Christian. Christian. Mm-hmm. St. Mary's. Emory-Riddle Aeronautical. They're not big D1 programs. And, 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 and that might make it a little bit more impressive um, for that here, but, you know, even at the college level, it's been more, you know, the D2, D3, you know, le- levels along those lines to where that, that it's just, you know, like I said, it's nothing against him personally. It is just, to me, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, that, that I, I just, and, and you're right, SAFC hasn't done that big name but that may be what the issue is, is they need to kind of, they also need to step out of their comfort zone and take the next step. You know, Coach Powell was a great hire. He did a lot of great things. He got the academy started. He got the team, you know, off the ground that the Scorpions had set up, you know, for him, you know, you know, with, with the basic platform. Um, you know, SSNE did a great job coming in and continuing that. But it's time to take the next step as an organization. And that's my question. And I guess that would be my question is, is as an organization, are you taking the next step if Barnes is the one that's brought in? So, and Rafa, you can probably speak to this a little bit more as a coach, because I'll answer your question, Harry, kind of with another question and just redirect it to Rafa. 
As far as like D1 programs go, I mean, it's easy to say he doesn't have D1 college experience outside of the Cal State Bakersfield where he was an assistant coach when they won their 1997 Division II NCAA National Championship. How hard is it, though, to get a spot as a D1 coach in college soccer? I mean, it's not like they just have a ton of openings. It's difficult. I mean, you have to really, as as far as a club player, then you're probably your sophomore year, you've already been, you know, either offered a scholarship already or being already recruited. And usually a lot of those players have national team or um, what's it called? Uh, I lost it on my mind. Any, anything, anything has a national develop, kind of national team development. The or the, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're not among that, but also the, also the thing is, you know, the players, when it comes to D1, most of the D1 programs are not getting more international players. You know, if you look at any roster, pretty much three quarters of the team are international players. So the one quarter is pretty much domestic players, which is kind of, like I said, that's a whole different subject as far as hurting U.S. soccer in general. Well, I, mean, but, I just meant like for a coach, though, like let's say for Coach Barnes to try and get D1 experience think, at a program, yeah. they're not constantly looking for new coaches. I mean, like if you're – I mean, you look at it, taking a program like Virginia and North Carolina, I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to be in big games. Or you're in UCLA or Indiana, you're you're playing big games in, or SMU. So I can see maybe a coach from one of those programs coaching – at SAFC because he's been in big games. He's got a elite programs. That would probably would make more sense, you know. More, but I I think they really may have to make a splash. I think kind of beyond the USO experience, mm. maybe MLS or someone or a European experience. You know, maybe someone from a, you know, getting somebody from across. You know, from a second division team from England or Germany. They have to, and then also is going to go back to what is the general manager going to do? What kind of players are you going to build around? You know, we do got Pirano back. Are we going to build around him? You know, it's also going to what kind of system the coach that comes in, what kind of type of players is he going to need in order for him to be successful on on the on the you know on the field? A suggestion from Facebook from uh, Trevino CJ. Uh... Uh, meant Jan uh, Carlos Osario, uh, bilingual American wife and kids, great story. And of course, it's a dream because he was uh, the former coach of uh, uh, the Mexican national team. But uh, you know, his point, the reason why it could help out is you know he could reach out to the areas of, of the city that's being ignored and help connect with the you know the the Hispanic media, mm-hmm. um, which is a, which is a weakness that we've all stated before. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's coaching in Columbia, so I don't know how realistic that would be. But we're <laughs> looking at wanting to bring one can somebody dream. in from outside. Dream, Harry, come on, man! <laughs> hey, but he's got ties, and and it he makes great points that and that's the coach. Well, to me, especially, I would go more you know, Mexico, Central American over European because that's the fan base here. It's, you know, as much as, you know, Bobby Mosley, as much as, you know, Coach Powell and, and you know, a lot of us, you know, or, you know, I don't follow a lot on EPL, but, you know, a lot of SAFC fans follow the EPL. But if you're trying to build the base, if you could bring in somebody, and this is why, you know, I submitted a message down to uh, Gordino, uh, you know, uh, Jose to, to say, Hey, is there anybody that possibly in, you know, Liga MX or, you know, Central America that could be a candidate, you know, cause to me, I think 
if you want to step outside of USL, I think you go south, not you know over, over the pond. Well, well, Las Vegas did that last season, and that yeah, it flamed out. Yeah, that that imploded quick. But I think that was that was just the wrong a wrong coach. <laughs> kind of known for that. You know, even though he had Division One experience with Puebla, you know, with Chile's, he but he hadn't really never been successful down there. So I think they would have to really find, really kind of dish out the money. If you're really going to make a big splash, you're going to have to open that wallet and bring that big name to bring that fan base back. And especially, like I said, down like on the South San Antonio side, you know, bring, and, and then also they're going to have to reach out more to the, you know, to that community and be more involved with them and, you know, to get to kind of solidify all that. Who's out there? You know, you're probably going to have to wait till the, till the league IMX is, is done to see, who, you know, who survives, who doesn't. You know, there might be some that, you know, they can bring in over here that wants to maybe reestablish himself and mm-hmm. get it going. One of them, like as I mentioned, was like Manuel Vidro. He's had ex- experience in the past with the Mexican national team, even though he's never coached division one team but well i guess here's a question for you because Juan carlos uh, asario is coaching at the at the what atletico national which is uh that's one of the top so it would be a step down to leave from there and come to and that's i don't know the colombian league so that's my whole thing that's probably that was the pablo escobar (laughs) 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 you watch the 30 for 30 that was his team But but they've won the Copa. Like I said, that that team has has history, and they've won the South American Cup. So you know, it's a. I don't think he'll relinquish that job unless he totally tanks. But you know, to bring him down here, it's going to take a lot. It would take a lot of money. Yeah. So realistically, he's not. He's not. He's not an option if you're looking down south. And, and Chris Hockman's actually working on an article right now, too, for uh, SASoccer.org, where he's going to do uh, kind of a stat stuff analytics uh, on some of the different coaches that are available and uh, who he thinks may wind up here uh, in San Antonio. And I know, Harry, you had a, a few thoughts kind of on that as well that, that we wanted to discuss. But uh, we also have some exciting news kind of in the uh, in the college scene here in San Antonio for University of Incarnate Word. Harry, do you want to tell everybody the good news? Uh, they're going postseason playoffs, at least for the Southland. Go uh, for that here. Going postseason so. playoffs. Yeah, they just uh, posted. I believe that's for the first time. First time in program history. Uh, I was just trying to pull up the actual statistics here for the matchup, uh, it's going to be 8 p.m. tomorrow. Now, this game is in Conway, Arkansas. It's not here in San Antonio. Uh, there will be a live stream. Um, but, yeah, the girls are going to be taking on Texas A&M University of Corpus Christi and uh, their quarterfinal matchup there for the uh, SCAC tournament. Um, and as you mentioned, it's their – Southland, I'm sorry. It's their first postseason appearance in uh, Southland Conference tournament history. And uh, also, too, I, I thought it was kind of interesting of note here uh, that they uh, scored – or I'm sorry, they tallied more wins in the 2019 season than in their previous three seasons combined. So uh, quite the turnaround there for the UIW Cardinals program and uh, their new head coach uh, in her first season with them. So tomorrow night at 8 p.m., I'll shoot out the uh, link for the stream for that match. 
if you're sitting at home and, and want to tune in or whatever, we'll get that going. But uh, good run there for the UIW Cardinals. Hoping to see them keep that going in their, their first postseason run. And to close up on the, the college here, uh, the UTSA Lady Runners, uh, unfortunately their season ended, um, you know, at, at, in UTEP. They lost 1-0 one, one oh over there. So they f- they did not make it to uh, the uh, CSA uh, uh, conference, uh, you know, playoffs there. Um, however, uh, they did finish the season 8-8-1. Eight, eight uh, they did finish 4-6-0 and oh in, in CSA. Uh, for that here, but you know this is their best winning percentage since joining uh, uh, Conference USA, and, and really since 2011. So, despite coming up just a little bit short, you know they had a little bit some unlucky matches, um, you know in mid-season before they found their groove towards towards the end of it. That uh, you know they just ended up missing on the playoffs as well. But they're a team that you want to kind of look out for uh, next year. Uh, in my opinion, I think they're going to take a, a huge step, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, CSA next year. Yeah, they have some good younger talent, that's for mm-hmm. sure. And then they also had some graduating seniors, you know, of course, that they're going to have some shoes to fill. Um, just off the top of my head, I know Nicole Galan was uh, all academic there, and I believe they had mm-hmm. a, a couple other players with some uh, some mentions and some awards and honors to go along with that uh, that season. Yeah, Ellis Patterson was all conference sec, uh, second team. Uh, Lexi Bolton was all conference third team, and uh, Deja Sandoval was uh, part of the all freshman team. You know, as far as for that there, so they they had you know picked up you know you know uh, you know so, you know some of the old, and then you know some of, you know with the with the all freshman freshman. Um, like I said, I went out to a couple of their matches, and, and like I said, here it was a fun fun event and. Uh, looking forward to going out next year already um, to see what Coach Pittman has in line to you know see the improvement because I think this is what his first year right if memory serves me correct mm-hmm. uh, of taking over taking over the team uh, for that here. So we'll get you uh, all caught up on that uh, in the men's action. Trinity University uh, beat Texas Lutheran one zero this time. Uh, that was the game that we went out to uh, when they played there and. Uh, Trinity kind of put it on them a little bit. Um, so they have their next matchup is going to be Friday, October 20th or October 25th. That was already passed. So excuse me on that. We'll get you the uh, SCAC updates here for the uh, next show. It should be playoff later. time, right? Yeah, that's, I close. thought it was playoff time. And that's what I was just trying to pull up in front of me. And then I just noticed it had on the bottom there. Their last game was uh, obviously passed. And the SCAC tournament, I believe, is starting up here soon as well. And then St. Mary's is actually right now they're twelve two and two overall for the men, and seven one and one in conference play. So we'll have some uh, more playoff soccer for them uh, as well here that we'll get you guys caught up on for our next show uh, this week. We've kind of been focusing more on the San Antonio FC uh, head coaching search and everything, and and kind of trying to figure out what's going to happen there, but. Um, Harry, I know I'm probably forgetting something here of, of note. Yeah, the only other thing here is uh, UPSL action here uh, this last weekend. Uh, Alamo City uh, played uh, Bell County and, and took care of business. Um, but this week, uh, the runners uh, will face off at the Corinthians uh, for out here. So that's, that's a good local one. And then also Capital City um, is playing the runners. You know, here in San Antonio as well. 
Both of those are on Saturday. The uh, uh, runners and Corinthians matches at seven um, at, at the uh, Corinthians uh, uh, field home field. Um, for I here, I forget uh, it's it's off by Ingram Park uh, Ingram Park Mall in that area, and of course Alamo City plays uh, you know obviously at the Alamo City Soccer Complex there. So um, out on sixteen oh four and uh, and, and uh, Calabria uh, for that here. So. A couple of matches there. Um, this is one, you know, it looks like here, at least for the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some action uh, with the uh, UPSL uh, teams here mm-hmm. uh, for that here. So looking forward to seeing how that season kind of wraps up um, and to see, you know, which teams uh, make the playoffs and, and, and continue to go forward. Yeah, it's an interesting season right now on UPSL, especially in the Central Conference, because for so long, you know, you kind of had the runners that I don't want to say they were the dominant team, but, you know, it's they, were the they, were under, they were undefeated. I mean, you can call them the dominant team, right? I know some people might not like that looking at you, Coach Rex wrote, but let's just <laughs> call it what it was. And now you have Alamo City that's actually kind of taken over uh, in the standings. Last I checked there for the uh, Hart Division. so Yeah, they're up. Uh, they got 13 points. They played six games. The runners have played four at seven. Cowboys have played uh, three at six. Uh, the Corinthians have played five, and they got five points. And Capital City's played four at, at, at five points. So it's really a yeah, – Bell County's playing, but, you know, it's it's a different story. Um, so there's really – you know, it's really, you know, five teams that are, real, in my opinion, kind of competing for it. Versus just um, the one, though, where it was pretty much sewed up and yeah, down to two before, or whatever by halfway through the well, season. Well, yeah, Waco, you know, like last year's, you know, you know, the it was basically Waco and, and the runners, and, you know, they were trying to fill out maybe third place. But mm-hmm. this year it's it's still, you know, it's still pretty competitive, especially with the Coyotes, um, yeah. you know, having, having three matches in hand. So, you know, they could, they could actually end up number one if the results go their way and, you know, to be fair, the runners also two games in hand. Uh, you know, technically they could be right there now. Goal difference will be a, a factor. Um, you mean their match versus is it Bell County? <laughs> well, see, so that's that's what shapes it right now. You know, when you look at it, Alamo City's got plus thirty eight. Mm-hmm. Runners are plus three, and, and the Coyotes are you know you know even. So but who can put the most on Bell County? That's what it's going to be is, is is when they have those matches. You've yeah, and you've got to run it up. That's that's you know you know the bar has been set. The bar has been set. You know if you're looking at the runners, you're down 35 goals that you've got to make up. If you're Coyotes, you know not only you got to win, but you got to make up a 38 goal you know goal difference. So mm-hmm. it's real. And the runner, I mean, it's, you wouldn't think that's a real situation, but it is. is. The runners haven't played uh, Bell County yet, no. right? No, no, neither are two matches. They have two matches, so, so they have, have two have games in hand. So they have a goal differential. They get 20, 22, 20, 0 games. <laughs> but and, and and you know what? Like we to give them credit, and I do want to say this because um, you know I I know that after the first couple of results came in, you know we gave them kudos. Nobody really quit. They were still fielding a team. Um, it's real easy to say that, you know, three games into a season, four games into a season that, hey, we're going to see this thing through and we're going to show up every week. It's a lot harder to go out there and actually do it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're still competing and, and still fielding a squad and still going out there. Well, they scored week. their first goal this week. So, yeah, that's true. you know, they've scored one goal and allowed 70. So, but, you know, beforehand, 
you know, they haven't scored any goals. So, you know, would you like to see a little bit more even results? You know, I'm sure they would. And, and you know, I, I think there will be some adjustments made, obviously not for this year. Uh, but going forward, it's in like I said here, there was a team in Florida that, that got beat what, 18 to nothing as well. So um, when you get to this level where it's semi-pro, um, you, you're going to have sometimes these these results. Um, you just hope it's not on a consistent basis, unfortunately. I, I just find it odd that, that they don't, as far as talent base over there in Killeen and Temple and Elton, and I mean, they, they can't find players unless it's just, you know, schedules are mixed up and so forth. You know, that's, it just seems kind of odd. That they, a lot of yeah. your good players are in college right now too, you know, and stuff like that. Not, you know, I doubt they had an intention of losing this badly, but. Um, well, plus you got the Coyotes FC that's in the same area and Waco's not that far either. Right. So if, you know, you know, if you are, you know, better than average, you know, are you going to take the opportunity to play for FC Waco is playing in the North. That's really competitive. And the Coyotes obviously have a pretty solid team, you know, based on the results that they put on the field. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a first year team. So I think it's a learning experience. You know, we, we all in our mind think, Hey, it'd be pretty easy. I'm not going to lie. If I That's won, if I I won a lottery, I'm all like, Hey, I can put together a team and, and, you know, you know, hey, let me hire Scott to be the coach, and and, and we're going to knock it out. Yeah. You know, Rafa is the recruiter. You know, have, have you know have a SA roundtable team, UPSL team, and, and, and to your I point, have a feeling uh, we we would probably be down. With the <laughs> I'd be playing goalie because nobody would want to get <laughs> shot on that many times. Uh, no, but I, I think that's a great point, Harry. You know, I think a lot of people think uh, that UPSL, you know, is a a glorified Sunday league. And I think this is the prime example of where you can take a team that maybe is really competitive on, on Sundays and stuff like that. And you think, Hey man, we really got a good squad. We, we could do this thing, you know, and then you, you go to try it. It's like, no, some of these kids can ball, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's some good talent, uh, even in the UPSL. Well, yeah. And and to me, I think, I think UPSL, the, you know, while there's some, growing pains that's going on mm-hmm. um i i think i think it, it is a great asset for u.s soccer um you know where they're kind of help bridging you know that that from the you know sunday leagues to you know young kids that you know we've seen what high schoolers and, and stuff like especially like bernie thunder you know stuff like that are fielding more of the younger teams almost city with you know some you know some of the academy kids you know, where it's giving them that opportunity to take that step up that you're maybe not getting in high school uh, for that here where, you know, where you're getting that, you're getting that taste. And I, I think, I think it's a good opportunity. And, and like I said here, hopefully, you know, the kids can, you know, can learn. And, and it also gives, you know, old guys, uh, you know, like you, Scott, an opportunity to say, Hey, can do I have the potential still? And, and then you can, you can learn the real reason. <laughs> believe me there's lots of real reasons it's not just one um, but yeah fun show tonight guys uh, I know it was a little bit shorter than usual um, we, we finally notched a, a 45 minute show um, so I think that's got to be some kind of record well, probably but, even less than that with the 5-10 minutes uh, mishap delay on that so calling me out I'm calling you out man <laughs> do that 
rookie rookie move with you know the, the you know guest audio uh, air like and then you got to talk about my game on sunday he's just gonna have <laughs> i was trying box. to fill in the time man <laughs> <laughs> all right guys let's uh let's wrap it up though uh final minute uh rafa let's start with you buddy uh what do you got for final thoughts for today's show uh just looking forward i guess to see uh what i know it's been awfully quiet on the safcn they're kind of keeping things secret you know, we'll see what kind of reaction they're going to make as far as, you know, are they taking their time or are they waiting till after everything, the final, on the final of the, you know, for the USL to make a move as far as what coaches are going to be available and see who they interview. And then hopefully you'll see what players stay, what players, you know, end up going going out, you know, to somewhere else. And hopefully we'll find a good work or a picture of the next next month or so. Yeah, my final thought is, as much as we want a decision, um, I think we got to give them time to see how it plays out. You know, just like today, Simon Elliott was let go for Sac Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, I personally didn't see. Um, I don't you know, think anybody did. Well, I guess if you kind of step back and think about it, the, the Sac Republic was a lot like San Antonio, where, they, in my opinion, they underperformed mm-hmm. for what they had. Um the issue, I, you know, issue with Sac Republic is I think it's one year too early because, you know, obviously you're not bringing in your MLS coach at this point. So it's probably a two-year gig mm-hmm. um, and hope that you can impress. But most likely, you know, most likely they're going to go with a bigger name. But, you know, my final thought here, and, and like I said here, it's, it's semi-USL uh, related here. Uh, but uh, tonight, uh, uh, you know, uh, Foxtrot podcast, um, unfortunately, is recording their uh, episode, final episode, because uh, uh, their team uh, was ceased uh, recently. Uh, so just keep in mind, you know, you know, as much as we bitch and complain about, you know, S, you know, SAFC, um, at least we still got a team. And, and I know some people feel, hey, it, you know, it may only be for another year or two. I, I tend to think not. Um, so just appreciate what you got. You know, instead here, you know, I, I know. You know, as, as much as I grumble, you know, about SAFC, I still enjoy going out there. And I can't imagine that opportunity just being taken away and, you know, for that here. So I know that's lower division soccer in a closed league, but, you know, just, you know, if you can, you know, like I said here, uh, you know, just, just, you know, take it with a grain of salt, you know, for the changes here because, you know, SAFC could just decide, hey, we don't want to do it anymore. And then, you know, we're without a club to support. So. Harry says all his grumblings. It's uh, six months of I can't do anything else on a Saturday because I bought season tickets and then I buy season tickets all over again. So I know I can't do anything for six months on a Saturday, Harry. But no, I guess just my final thoughts. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the Corinthians and the runners out there on Saturday night. So if you're not doing anything Saturday, we'll be posting uh, the address and the link and stuff like that for uh, that. Shadow Mist, I think. Uh, a shadow mist nine 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 shadow mist yeah i think you're right so um but also too you know i just wanted to kind of uh bring to light like a, a little bit of uh just kind of the cool interaction that i had this week uh just with uh getting to know pato and everything um it just kind of goes to show you how small the soccer community really is and, and just how tight-knit it is uh you know when when we first heard that matt barnes was a potential candidate and i sent out you know the stuff that i'd put together on that I noticed that uh, he was one of the first to respond. And so upon looking at his profile, noticed that he played at St. Mary's for a couple of years, obviously. 
put two and two together doesn't, you know, take that much to reach out and get him on. Little did I know, you know, that he would have the connection with Victor Villarreal and some of the other players and stuff like that that we've had interactions with here on the roundtable. So I always just think it's so cool, you know, the people that we get the opportunity to meet, you know, as part of this show and everything else and just the conversations that we get to have about soccer that, you know, I wouldn't really get to have with with people outside of having this podcast. So I just wanted to say thank you again to him for coming on Mm -hmm. and uh, Coach Barnes as well. I've been in contact with at least uh, to get a resume and everything and kind of fact check. And so I uh, just want to say thank you. Truly class act, truly professional mm-hmm. and just interaction and everything with us. And you guys don't have to do that. So we always appreciate it here on the round table and uh, if any other players or anything like that want to come on, would love to talk to you about soccer, but this is the San Antonio soccer round table. What's life without goals. We out.